Did you know school starts next week? No, I refuse to go back. No, yeah, no. School starts next week, like the day before your birthday. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, it's not even funny. And it's like, I've like been like so stressing out about everything. And like, like August 1st came, you know, no one told me that. I mean, I, you know, I knew that. I put aside that and I never told anyone about my stresses. And like, you know, um, I'm stressing out for senior year. Like, I did not think I would, that sentence would come out of my like mouth, but I am stressing about senior year. Oh my God, are you okay? You need a hug right now too. <laughs> what the virtual hug hey guys welcome back to another episode of team theory um today we have a very special guest uh no it's not jillian this time because you know we always say this jillian but um Ferrari, do you want to introduce her i think she should introduce herself i think She'll okay. do more justice to her than I. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead, uh, Kristen. Yeah. So, hi everyone. I am Kristen from the Care Cafe podcast. So, on Instagram, that's at the Care Cafe, um, at T H E C A R E C A F E. And what my podcast and my specialty is is focusing on teen mental health and being super relatable and having real vulnerable conversations. So I am really excited to be on Teen Theory with your wonderful host um, and really just have a really vulnerable and deep conversation that I hope y'all are able to relate to. All right, thank you. We're we're also excited to have you. So um, today we're just going to jump in. And since you mentioned that your podcast kind of focuses on like self-care and mental health, um, then we wanted to do an episode based on that too, because we haven't done that yet. So um, we're going to just ask you some questions and we'll jump into it, um, get some tips, some tricks. And um, yeah, uh, Priyadi, do you want to ask the first question? Yeah, I'll do, I'll ask the first question. So I know that, like you said, that you talk about mental health and self-care. And I, I, w- I want to tell you that I fell in love with your um instagram page as like when i like open it up i was like oh my god she can do it like i like when i saw it i was like i am like so close like i'm like like literally so jealous of this because i love the colors because i'm like even though i'm a full-on like blue girl like when i saw that green i was like this is like giving me like like i was yeah i applaud you for that it was an amazing thing and i i truly think that looking at that Instagram page like calmed me down a bit because every single like post is like green and like the shades of green and I was like this is like like the person like dream come true right there so with that say so everyone should definitely go check out her Instagram page really fun so with that um I think I'm gonna go on a little bit like a down way from that so can you please explain to us what exactly stigma means in relation to mental health? Well, I think that stigma can mean so many different things, but how I define it is stigma is this uncomfortability that comes with mental health, this 
unnatural barrier, this unspoken rule that people are like, hide whatever this is in the corner because it is not normal. It's not supposed to be put out into the world. And if you have whatever this is, if you have a mental illness, if you struggle with your mental health, that's something to either one, be looked down upon, to something that really shows maybe this person isn't the image that they really are, that this person is weak, um, or three, that, you know, this person may have, like, other issues and all the stereotypes that come with that. So I think that stigma really is something in our society that we don't really see as something that is normal. And I want to clarify that like destigmatization is not the same as normalization, but I think that those two are interconnected in that a stigma is something that is really uncomfortable, that is something like this is stereotyped and then it comes with like all of these bad negative vibes um, when it especially comes to mental health and then you see people getting hurt and you see people feeling invalid as a result of the stigma but you know a way to maybe like fix that is really I think opening our minds and I think that that's how I would define the stigma of mental health it's um, a really vague and broad term and a stigma mm -hmm. around, you know, people, you know, not being as strong or people like being like having these problems. And this is a problem because your mental health is it's a problem. I, I think that's essentially what the stigma is, um, because when you think of your physical health, if you have like a broken bone or something, it's like okay, it is a problem, but, you know, we could see it. Mental health, you can't really see it, right? It happens up here yeah. in mind. Um, and so I think that this stigma can all come in all sorts of forms, but it's really degrading the fact that mental health is real and mm -hmm. the fact that mental health is normal and, you know, people do have it and it's just a part of normal daily life. No, I, yeah, I agree okay. again. And I, I wonder, I know I'm putting you on the spot right now, but do you have any examples of like any stigmas or I know that, because I, I would like to know more about that because I know you said that they were like negative. So just for me and like everyone who's listening, like what are some things that are like stigma and that like hurt people, even though, because I feel like people don't notice that they're like hurting someone and and if someone's doing that to me, I'm not a person who would, I won't, I won't be like, hey, that's kind of a little bit mean. Unless it's like someone else and I, and I notice it, I'm going to be like, hey, that's a little mean, you know? So what are like some examples that are considered as like stigma? Well, I think that we don't really see examples of stigma. It's like the stigma around mental health in our society that is like mental health is not normal. It's uncomfortable you know, it's stereotype. And because of all these ingrained, you know, beliefs that people have, it causes them to um, be like, when someone, let's say, is dealing with anxiety, it's like, oh, can't you, you know, just shake it off? Can't you, like, yeah. you know, not be afraid? Or if someone is dealing with depression, it's like, why are you so sad? can't you just be happy like be happy mm -hmm. laugh, right or um another one that I really hear a lot 
is when it comes to like eating disorders and body dysmorphia it's like when someone is so you know trapped and um you know I like gotten to talk with a lot of people about you know eating disorders and personally on like my podcast um I think in one of my episodes I talk about my own experiences but it's like a whole mental process but you know people just say oh why can't you just eat right Mm -hmm. um and so I think it's just like the understanding the lack of understanding the lack of education because it's like why is this a problem because people don't understand that this is a problem and this is what happens um you know in real life and actually a lot of people face like a mental illness or undergo struggles with their mental health in their lifetimes like I know I think the statistics is like two out of three adults have like gone through something and that is like the majority of people so to think that like yeah. the majority have gone you know through something is like you are not alone but people, people do feel that way people feel that way because they are invalidated by these comments from people who don't understand what mental health is and who are influenced by the stigma Mm-hmm. So, um, was, would you kind of right, say? I, no, go on. Yeah. Um. Would you Would you kind of say that maybe like like um like stigma is not necessarily like a physical thing, but it could be kind of like an unconscious like belief, like in our back, like the back of our minds, kind of like like we don't think it on purpose, but like we it's been kind of like engraved into our brains to like think, oh, if you have a mental health. Um, problem there's like something wrong with you and like that's not normal like how you were saying Mm -hmm. I definitely think so I think that because of the stigma so the stigma for sure is not a physical thing it's an ideology in our society and the stigma around mental health is that you know it's something either to be looked down upon or you know something that isn't real which is what we talked about earlier but as a result of that stigma people have bias whether that's innate bias or bias from outside influences and that bias um can be unconscious like you said at times um because people just don't know and the best way to fix that bias is through education and talking about it and having real mm-hmm. conversations yeah like we are right now um but the way to fix that bias is you know just to educate yourself and yeah I think that that unconscious bias is a big part of what you know creates um certain situations where people make comments that make others feel invalid like for example um let's say you have a child who is struggling with bipolar disorder their parent does not know you know what to do and their parent does not understand what this child is going through and you know because of like this unconscious bias of oh maybe from the stigma it's like that influences what they may say to their child and it's like oh I don't think you're really mentally sick I like think that you know you're just having a phase it's just like mood swings you know it's mm-hmm. just and then because that parent doesn't understand it and they're not educated that's what makes a child feel invalid um so yeah, to answer your question, I definitely think so. And this is how, um, in a way, that happens. 
I actually have something else to add on to that. Um, I know that like talking about, like you said, talking about mental health and how like everything, I think it would like help other people, like parents, like learn and not, um, you know, make a mark that they don't know what's happening. Like for, for like teenagers, for kids, like we have like, like at, at least at our school, we have like surveys, like, I don't know, once in three months or something like that, or like out of the blue, like a lesson beyond mental health or like counselors come and talk about like stress and stuff like that. But thinking about it, parents really don't have that. And like back in their days, I guess, I don't think they had the once in three months surveys about mental health or like counselors coming in and talking about mental health, you know? And I can see where things may go wrong, but like how would parents like learn this, you know? Like they're not going, I mean, a lot of parents are not going to school and they're not having these like talks with counselors or doctors about like you know what's going on right and I don't think they're worth talks about mental health and even though they should but they don't at least in the corporate world so like how can parents like is there are there like should they join like support groups or um should they just like listen to their child or you know what were some things? I mean, I know I'm putting you on the spot again, but like, what are some things that parents can do? Because I feel for them as well, but I feel for the kid because I'm closer to the, or closer age to the kid rather than the parent. And I'm, you know, but like, because I'm right in the middle, I also understand what the parent could possibly like go through. Because they definitely like, with making these marks, like one, they did not go through this, or maybe they did and they just forgot about it because it was a long time ago. And two, it's like, they have no idea how to help their ch- child. Like, even though they want to, I'm pretty sure they do. Like, it's like hard for them to like, I, I can, I'm like, you know, I don't know what to say for that, but like true state, like joint support groups or like, what are some things that they can do? Because I don't want to put like the parents be like, you're doing this wrong because even though they sometimes are, it's like, they need to learn. And like, and like some parents are really open-minded and they would want to do that. So what are some things that they can talk to? Yeah, of course. So um, I definitely understand, you know, the pressure that parents have, especially when, if you think to right now in, in our modern age, mental health, mental health has become really big and we're trying to destigmatize it. But mm-hmm. back then in maybe... Um, older generations, you know, mental health wasn't big in the slightest, and people pushed yeah. it in the corners of their society. And um, if you read like the DSMs, it's it's really on like how it is in the modern DSM five, um, which is like the book of all of like the mental illnesses that like you know they call it like the holy bible for psychiatrists. But mm-hmm. um, I really think that. There are different ways that, yes, parents can, you know, get involved and get educated to support those around them and also support themselves. Um, There are two things I wanted to cover. One, for like the mental health of parents, because I know that it can be challenging. Um, I don't know if you have like heard the um, analogy, like in the airplane, like put your own oxygen mask before helping others. And it's like, this goes for everyone, parents, you know, yourself or your peers you have to take care of your own mental health just like that in order to help others otherwise like just like the oxygen mask 
you can't really like do anything if you're not doing well to help others. But if you are, then that's how, you know, you're able to extend help to the people around you. And um, I definitely agree that parents can join support groups. Um, another great thing that, you know, is out there is family therapy and also mm-hmm. dual therapy. So um, in some situations, um, this is just like an example, by the way, but in some situations, a child may run into a big crisis. Um, and this mental health crisis, you know, can maybe cause them to end up somewhere in like the hospital or maybe they, they just like call um, 988 or etc. But when the parent gets notified as a result of like maybe 988 because 988 isn't like 100% confidential or like the hospital of course you have to notify you know the parents or guardians about mental crisis that has happened um usually what happens is psychiatrists come in and provide or like diagnose dual therapy between the child and the parent so that both of them can not only improve their relationship but increase like their mental health in ways that they could support each other so I think that's also a way that like parents are able to like get educated is just to like go to therapy themselves. Also, um, another way they're able to do this is I think that a lot of communities right now are trying to improve, um, you know, the basis of mental health and mm-hmm. the resources that are available within, you know, each city and each community. and. Um, you know, there are so many great programs out there, whether it is like in your community with like smaller nonprofit organizations that hold like little trainings or um, just reading articles and blogs or just keeping up with newsletters, um, staying like on track with NAMI, the National Alliance of Mental Illness, and really taking all the resources that you have available because it's so different for people like across the country and across the globe based upon where you live and what access you have to mental health because it's definitely very different from area to area but definitely support groups are there therapy is there educational resources in the media is there Um, and I think those are you know ways that people are able to gauge at that and really support themselves and learn and also support their children. Yeah, I, I, um, I agree with you with that. Wait, sorry, I had I had a quick question. Um you mentioned NAMI, I think it was called. Can you like explain that like really quickly? Yeah, so NAMI is a National Alliance of Mental Illness. It is um the biggest one of the biggest um nonprofits for mental health. It is Um, you know, just a really, really big, like, organization that does a lot for mental health. It provides, like, support. Um, It does a lot of advocacy and awareness initiatives, and it's just, like, think of, like, the Red Cross or, um, you know, those big organizations you have out there, um, NAMI's just specifically for mental health. Thank you for that information. It's very, it's very cool because, like, I feel like like, I know about mental health, but I don't really, like, know about mental health. So it's, like, really cool to hear, like, about NAMI and, like, all the different resources 
and um, how it affects like, you know, parents and students and stuff like that. So for the next question, um, earlier you mentioned um, the hotline, right? And uh, we know that the hotline recently changed to be uh, very short because I, I think it was like 11 digits before. Correct me if I'm wrong. I could be completely wrong. Yeah, it was yeah. a full regular phone number. So the regular. I mean, who would remember that? Like, I have trouble remembering like people's phone numbers. Like, if I need something <laughs> that like important, you know, like, like, where am I? Yeah. You know? But I do appreciate it, like, shortening a bit. But, you know. So basically, we just wanted to know um, how the hotline being changed, if that has a positive or negative effect. And maybe if you could just tell us a little bit more about the hotline, because I've heard both like good and bad things about it. I know you mentioned something about it not being entirely confidential. Uh, so if you could just like expand on that a little bit, uh, please. Yeah, so I definitely think that changing the hotline from like, the 10 digits plus like the one in the front um, to 988, which is very easy to remember, is a step in the right direction. We are getting to where we need to be when in regards to mental health resources. And that's what's amazing because if someone is struggling with their mental health and they have no one to talk to and they're in a crisis and they're like, what do I do? 988, right on their phone, can dial straight away. Someone will be there to talk to you. But there are the unhidden things that, you know, come with every scenario that, you know, isn't really publicized. Because everyone publicizes on July 16th, 988 is like the new um, suicidal um, mental health crisis and mental health crisis phone number, call it, um, you know, everything's like, amazing. What has been the concerns of many people in our country is that one, because it's like affiliated with like, because it's like a national hotline, it is not confidential, meaning that the people on the other hand, like, um, other end of the call, they can either like, report you to like the police, which you know, does happen. Um, mm -hmm. When you have like, I mean, it is obligated at times, you know, when you have like a teacher that finds out about like someone, you know, who is suicidal, they are obligated by law with their job to report to the police. Otherwise they'd get fired. And, you know, mm -hmm. no teacher wants, no person wants to get fired for their job. And of course they want to help that kid. But is that what that person really needs? Well, no, because you know, the police are scary and they're really confrontational, you know, mm -hmm. they might help in some circumstances if it's like really daunting and that person is like about to do something that minute and the police can know where they are and prevent that, then yes. But, you know, if it's like this teen who is like in their home and just really, really anxious and worried and just going through things and then the police come knocking knocking on their door that is a very scary situation and yeah yeah. yeah i can imagine you know the police are like scary like in general and like if like you know they're like you know like they're like asking you questions and like you like i feel like a person would be like if they're needing help they're probably at a mental state of like for me at least i need some peace and quiet i don't need someone like bangering questions into my brain that I like don't even want to answer 
and I mean it's it's harsh because I like I'm less mental like I feel like sometimes the police like there could be someone but I'm I'm just I'm a really optimistic person right here trying to like think of a better way that could this happen but like I don't know where to find the fairness in here like if I go to a teacher you know the teacher has to like say something because it's their job and if I call the the hotline then like they're also they can call the police or they can tell someone or if I call like a doctor like someone someone I talk to they will call parents so there's like no way I can like say anything to anyone and, and it's like and I'm like where's this like kid supposed to go to or like where's this any like even an adult where are they supposed to go to like if they can't like share it to like tell someone because I feel like always telling someone is like better than like putting it in you and like it's it's better to let it go rather than like like building on it mm-hmm. yeah also, I agree with that. uh quick question I'm not I'm not sure if like you know but do you know if like the police are like trained to like handle someone who like is really like emotional like per se because like, like I don't know if they have they're not right I think that it really depends, but I know that I can't speak to everyone, and I can't speak to, like, Mm -hmm. police departments, because I don't work in a police department. I have not been trained to be a police officer, but um, from the people I know and from, you know, the people, like, the police officers in my community, um, in my community is a very, like, safe and, like, close-knit community, but... I would say that even then, the police are going to ask, I, I've seen that they ask you questions, and, you know, they ask about stuff, they ask to see your phone, they take your phone away and, like, inspect it, um, and I think that in certain times when that needs to happen, because it is, like, in that moment, and that person is, you know, needs that help in that moment, and they're, like, going to maybe, like, commit suicide that very second, yes that is you know something that needs to be stopped but if it's you know like I said a different scenario um where you know that isn't happening it could be really really scary and mentally take a toll on you know the individual Mm -hmm. being that fear and in a lot of places there are a lot of statistics that show that police are not trained to handle like mental health situations nor is I don't think 988 trained to handle the incoming flood calls that they're going to get because with the mental health crisis that's happening right now there are so many people who are waiting on like the lines and I know that even before they changed the number um a lot of people have to wait hours to like get a hold of someone on the line for someone they knew who was in a mental health crisis. So when you change number to something more, you know, something that people can remember, more calls are going to come in. And I don't know if the states, um, you know, the state operators and like the system is able to handle that in flood of calls as well, which can also mm-hmm. be yeah, because, like, like if you go on to, like, like into using a website as an example, like, for me, um, I think our school, like, my school gave, like, this survey thing that was going to say for technology, and, like, everyone went on it in the same second, and they crashed down, and, like, like, for you, when you went into, like, 
life or death or like suicide prevention and like if that goes down or like and there's probably like multiple people not just one who like oh my god something's like I need I need help but like if they have to like wait if they're like put on hold for like three whole hours like what are they supposed to do you know yeah exactly which is a big issue that's happening um that may happen and I think that a lot of people don't anticipate to happen mm-hmm. so would like having more people like who pick up the call would that help I, I, mean, I don't know the certain like terms for it like is it like anyway, I don't know like having more people who are ready to listen is that would that help or or is there anything that like we as like public can do to help or you know what are some of your like predictions I mean I know you said that it could there's possibly of it crashing down there's possibly of like many some lives like losing and some people can also be like stressed out and it could probably like increase your anxiety levels but would it like what can we as public do to help others that are that need it you know because mm-hmm. I'm I'm all for like helping people but I need to know how or what I can do right um I definitely agree and um it is a big problem because you know I think that it's only up to the states and the system and the people they have in staff and all the counselors and um, professionals they have out there. But what's really saddening is that only like 20 states um, have like the pending implementation um, for like 988 and like the system and then all the professional help that comes with it. And then four of those states have like plans passed for 988 saying like this is what we're going to do because of 988 um so you're right that really does leave it up to the public and i think that just as a community if we're just speaking about uplifting mental health and advocating for it and destigmatizing it and also maybe normalizing it um that comes down to advocacy and Mm -hmm not only advocacy, but creating safe spaces where people can talk and get help mm-hmm. and feel as if they're seen, heard, valued, and valid. Um, mm-hmm. and those spaces within our communities is very, very rare. Like we talk about, you know, creating this space. And that's also what I hope to do with my podcast as well. The Care Cafe is a safe space where we're able to be vulnerable. But I think that's what we really need at this point, because the reason why people, you know, have spiraled down with their mental health and once they like, you know, have like maybe symptoms and it gets worse and worse and worse is because they avoid it. They practice avoiding mm-hmm. approach coping and they don't talk about it and they don't cope with it in a productive and healthy way. Because sometimes I feel like people don't know how to cope with it. Like, I, I don't think I even do, like, because I feel like, one, I mean, I am not educated in how to, like, cope with certain things. And two, it's, like, people, everyone, like, copes in different ways. And, like, maybe, you know, for me, I, like, if I want to, like, get a stress reliever, I, you know, like, I turn off my computer, like, go for a run, play badminton, like, read a book. You know, that helps me, like, relax a bit. But 
you know, it's different for everyone. And, and like, it's like, there's no like one path where you she's like, do like, like five steps and you're like perfectly fine at this, you know? Cause everyone's different. And, and sometimes like it could help like the seven steps of like coping, but like, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't. And it's, and I agree with you of saying that people like, just like take, like, like don't say anything to just keep it to themselves and like add on to like, stress from work, stress from school, stress from family, friends, you know, everything goes on to them. And it's like, and like, and they can't tell it to anyone because the people who, are, who they talk to are the ones causing the stress. And like, it's like, well, I don't want to tell Maddie that like she's causing the stress. And it's like, you know, and calling the the hotline is good and probably not going to do any good when it's like, when, I ha- when I'm, when I'm hot, on hold up for like, like three hours. Or if like there could be a possibility they could call the police. Like I don't want like police knocking at my door asking for why I called the hotline at like three in the morning. You know, like yeah. like everything can possibly go wrong. But like so like there like I'm like processing everything as you say because I like everything that you said right now. It's like it's like like beautiful and it's like I like there's so much wrong with the society right now and with like like issues that are adding with mental health and how a person takes it it's like we're t- we are like three teens talking about teen issues but like this issue can also be for like anyone in any age gate age gate age gap and it could be for like even kids like like people who kids who are in like elementary and like what are they gonna do like they're gonna like because i feel like kids like sometimes don't even know it like they they're like crazy on their own on their own like I like like how mature are they to like think of all these stuff that are that could possibly happen like because I feel like they would literally like do whatever they're thinking and like if they want to call someone they'll call like if they want to call the hotline to talk talk about it or if they want to say something to their parents they would do it before they think of the consequences that could possibly happen and that could affect the kids so much that we're not even talking about in this podcast. But like, as teenagers, we think about, I feel like a lot of teenagers think about what, like they overthink about what's gonna happen sometimes. And sometimes it's like the right amount of thinking, sometimes it's like overthinking. We don't do like less thing at all, or I feel like it. And it's like, well, if everything's gonna like hit rock bottom, like bottom, like what am I supposed to do? Like, there's no help that I need. Like there's no one's, trying to help like even though I feel like people can like sometimes like I feel like like I feel like my our counselor at school is an amazing person like I love her to the heart to the death you know but I feel like I've seen like TikTok videos or you know videos of like counselors like telling people telling parents and I'm like well is my counselor doing that like is she like if because I don't I don't think I talk to my counselor about mental health issues but if I do is is that going to go to my parents like do I you know like if I want my parents to know, I would probably go tell them, you know? And it's like, what's happening here? Like, I need to know the truth rather than like me, like thinking about everything that could possibly go wrong at three in the morning. <laughs> and um, I think, wait, mm-hmm. really quick. I think that for counselors, I think um, stuff has to, that it's like required that stuff stays confidential unless it's like life-threatening. And you never know what, I feel like, like everyone has like life threatening as like 
a different aspect of it. So like, unless they get trading, I'm not really sure on that. But it's, it's like wild to me that how we're in this like time of day where it's like, I can't get help from anyone. And it's like, it's, there's people out there, like there's 7 billion people out there. And like, there's like so many people who are trying to get help and we can't do anything. And even though people are trying to help out, like, I'm not saying that there's no hope, but like, even though they're people are trying to help out, it's always like, they might not like finally get it, you know? And that's, that's, that's sad to talk about. But yeah, I definitely think that some of the things you said are really true and there are really big issues. Um, when I talk about 988, I don't want to discourage anyone from, you know, calling it if you do need help. If you do need help, mm-hmm. call it. Call it. Um, you know, but these are just some things that you might be like, need to be mindful of. You know, if you're just like debating, do I call it or do I not? Or, you know, do I go see yeah. someone? Yeah. And, you know, it's just some of like the pros and cons that you just have to outweigh. Um, second thing is the hotline is not the only source of help out there. There are a lot of therapists, um, independent therapists at universities, hospitals, who are adequately trained to really help you. And um, I know that it might seem like, oh, maybe these therapists, I don't know if they'll help me. Um, there are different psychotherapies, um, such as like for trauma, you could have like um, prolonged exposure therapy um, or cognitive processing therapy or maybe for like anxiety, depression, there's DBT, so diabolical um, therapy and, you know, just a bunch of different therapies that are scientifically proven to work and um I think that the main thing that really prevents people from getting help is the stigma and feeling ashamed of getting help. But once you start having that conversation, um, I feel like a lot of people are surprised by the support that they get. And if they do not get that support, um, there are a lot of resources where people are able to talk to. Um, If anyone on here needs to talk to someone, um, and it has to be confidential. I know seven cups, although it is with someone who is not professionally trained, there are professionals on there that you could get connected to, or you could just talk to peers on a confidential basis. Um, in addition, I also wanted to add on to what you said about, you know, the crisis of like people not really feeling that they, you know, can get help at anywhere and I think that's really true because you know counselors are great but not all school counselors specifically and this is specifically for like teens so what I talked about earlier was for like just a broader um, Mm -hmm. because anyone can get therapy I would if you need therapy I would highly recommend you get help um, and find something that works for you Um, but when it comes to like teenagers and people in school when school counselors to become a thing there are good school counselors and I've met very few of few of them and a majority of them are not adequately prepared to help students with mental health crises and I do not know why that is but I do know that at my school we have a specific mental health 
um, like specialist and I have seen her a couple times she is she has like been confidential with me but did not help in the slightest and actually made me have to like take an extra step to learn you know how to mm-hmm. and, no yet and that is a big problem and when you know people like us only have access to those types of resources it's just like mm-hmm. crap. it's like what else can i do and this is where i would recommend listening to um daycare cafe episode two and episode nine where um, those are like real conversations about building your own tool belt for coping methods. Because if you think about it, when you're on like the verge of going into a mental spiral and the verge of like, you know, having an episode, um, whatever that could be, you at least have these coping methods in your tool belt to pull from to maybe like decrease those effects or prevent that from happening and um, those coping methods are really really up to that person because different things work for different people but some of the things that I found um, are journaling reading um, like you said also practicing like aromatherapy is one of my favorites because it's also neurologically proven to um, interact with the um like the stimulants and also like all of the neurotransmitters that are you know up in your brain so proven like scientific therapies and also mindfulness is a big one that also neurologically affects our brain biologically um i'm just finding what really works best for you and um in those episodes i give like a list and a detail of each one and how to practice it so that is, you know, a great way for you to build your own coping tool belt if you do not have one already. And mm-hmm. then I'm ready to answer your final question as soon as y'all are ready. Okay, I think I think you kind of like started um, on about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, our final question was um, any tips for practicing um, self care and mindfulness during the busy school year like specific activities I know that you mentioned um aromatherapy and that was really cool because like I've never like heard someone like mention aromatherapy like whenever I hear like practice self-care it's like um I don't know take a deep breath or like get off your um technology go take a walk but like and then you said aromatherapy I was like wow that's so cool that's so different because I've never heard that before and I was like oh mind blown um so if you could kind of like talk a little bit about um and I think that would help, like, like, well, for us and you, because, like, you're going to be a junior, and, like, you're going to need a lot of this, let me tell you, unless, yeah, it, it is, and, like, for, for us, like, I feel like everyone says, senior year, yay, you know, like, you don't do anything. college apps, first semester. <laughs> you're, like, a junior, and, like, let me tell you, junior year is not as fun as everyone never talks about, but unless, I mean, if you, if you, like, like, are, calm collected don't procrastinate as much you'll be fine like time management is like the best part of junior year like if you don't time manage you're gonna end up in like the like uh, I don't know (laughs) but yeah I think like stressful years for like both like all three of us so like any self-care tips are 
other than aromatherapy because like Maddie said like that was that's something I've never heard about like I've heard about aromatherapy but I've never considered or like no one has like recommended as part of like self-care or like or like you know as like a relaxer Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so when people say self-care I feel like I also talk about this but when people say self-care you think of like oh maybe like going a walk or like a lot of like the counselors at my school have like mindful Mondays and they just like say like oh yeah Oh my god you're right no if if you go to my school and into like near like the part of the counseling building they my counselor literally has a whole wall and and like she has like packets of like a reading packets of like doing journaling taking a breath I'm like I don't I don't have time to read all of this brochures like why would I want to do that like uh, for you and like you said before you guys had like a mental health person and she's a little confidential with you guys like for us we have a psychiatrist in campus but no one knows where she is like I figured out where she is but she has a really small office and like like no one knows where she is except me and maybe a few people who are trying to find her and if you go to my counselor she's always like so happy and I'm like and she told me to take a breath and go to her wall and I'm like if I have time to do that you know I can probably turn in my my assignments and like have a great day like why am I even doing this and like I actually <laughs> took a few brochures home but I never looked at them ever again so I have no clue they are and I didn't take one and that was journaling and I told her I'm not taking this because I don't have time to do any of that and I'm searching for it but it's probably in like my garbage from three months ago so yeah like like you said like go on you do you I just cut you off right there you're gonna no, take a bit no but I think that's like something a lot of people can relate to because that does happen and you know the resources that you're given aren't necessarily the things that do help you but when I think of self-care I like to define it as caring for your own mental well-being and for your own personal growth Mm -hmm. so when people tell you do xyz activity and it doesn't really help you. Well, that's not self-care because you're not caring for your own mental well-being and you're not, you know, giving yourself a new mindset and you're not focusing on your personal growth because you're just wasting your time. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do something as self-care, the main thing that makes it self-care instead of an activity, like a fun activity or a waste of time is the mindset that you have and if your mindset is being changed or re- rewired in that process and if your mind's able to go somewhere where it's able to be calmed again and you're able to come back ready to do whatever you need to do mm-hmm. and so for me I think that you know even planning out your day is self-care getting yourself organized doing morning affirmations and reminding yourself of your self-worth because Mm -hmm. when you do that you also like are loving yourself by loving yourself you're able to find you know a sense of your identity and be able to grow on from there as a person um some other ways so I would recommend especially when you're really stressed affirmations I know they are very silly but Mm -hmm. they really do help once you start practicing them 
um, because when you feel like you're in a situation that's really stressful, that tends to knock on our identities. And when that happens, you know, we start to forget our self-worth and we start to blame ourselves. Especially, mm-hmm. you know, when you don't get a good grade on the test, you're like, why am I like this? So yeah. affirmations sure. And then um, I also want to highlight like mindfulness. I know a lot of people um, like to talk about mindfulness and a lot of like the videos that you see aren't really what I think mindfulness is. Mindfulness is what you make it out to be, but what it should really do in essence, however you practice it, is make yourself more aware of the things around you. So um, a trick that I learned from one of my mentors um, who is like a professor, um, a professor at Stanford, but she is a really big advocate on um, well-being and building your own toolbox for, you know, everyday, like, stress. And she taught me, like, the 5-4-3-2-1 technique. So it's, like, if you ever feel really stressed and you need to take a mental break around you, find five things that you could see, four things that you can touch, three things that you could hear, two things that you could smell, and one thing that you could taste. Um, and I know it's it sounds silly, but that is one way mindfulness might look like. But mm-hmm. the main reason why you do it is to have yourself more aware of the people around you, the things around you, what you're doing at that moment, so that you know you are not so wrapped up in whatever that's going on. Because a lot of people are wrapped up, and that's what causes the stress. Yeah, and like thinking about like the technique, I think like trying to find other things and and doing something else would definitely take your mind out out of whatever you're thinking about, like like you know. And when you were like explaining it, I was like, I was thinking of of like if I did that when I'm like really stressed or like if I got a bad grade on a test, I would probably be like trying to find the five four three two one rather than like worrying about about my my grade, you know, and that would like really help an individual with like like you know I, I I think I'm using like relaxing and calming a lot in this episode but I feel like that would definitely like take my mind out of this really stressful event that happened and you know it will, will help me move on and yeah. do better next time right and, it and that's really important yeah exactly um and instead of like just staring at a wall, it only takes five seconds of your time. You're not wasting your time by doing that. Exactly. And, and, and that's like, I okay, to be honest, I've never heard of that technique. I think I've, I might have heard it somewhere, but I've never like tried it. So I don't think I've seen like a wall that satisfies or one in my counselor's like building. But I really do think like when you were like explaining that, I was like, whoa, that's, I was trying to put myself doing all of that and I'm like that probably did does help with everyone and like I said before I think I'm repeating myself but like if I did that in like stressful events I would definitely have the mindset to move on and you know like other than like you know like if we're talking about tests here but if it's like something else it would definitely help them help me make like 
better decisions rather than if I was like really stressful. And that's 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 a pretty really really good like technique to do. Yeah, so I definitely recommend that technique. Um, skincare is always amazing. Taking care of your body, eating, nourishing yourself, sleep. Mm-hmm. I love sleep. Hours, at least eight hours. Eight hours is the bare minimum. Um, and exercise. So those are some things that you know I would really recommend, especially because we forget all of those. Yeah. And we get super stressed and busy, but it's good. Mm-hmm. To- because like I'm gonna literally email my counselor be like you better have a wall this year that's kind of backwards if you want guys other than reading like the like the pamphlets and the brochures like this is actually doing something yeah Mm -hmm. those are all my recs for um, mindfulness and practicing self-care yeah I think we heard everything that or like an introduction or something that we wanted to hear from you because definitely did like like help us wanting to do more and I mean if we have more episodes about like specific because I know like like you said like like some of our questions weren't that specific to society right now but I so that definitely helped us like you know think a different direction and if we definitely had like another episode about self-care or something you know specific panda I mean we'll like just like dm you and you know we can definitely help out with that yeah, and, I would definitely love to do that. That would be amazing. Um, and this conversation was amazing. So thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for joining and for um, teaching us because I feel like I learned like a lot of a lot of uh, very like important information. That I feel like I should have known. I feel like everyone should know. Um, so thank you. Um, you guys should follow the Care Cafe on Instagram and check out Kristen's um, podcast episodes. And thank you for um, staying with us through all of the technology issues because apparently Ferrari does not want to let you into the meeting. <laughs> You're just waiting in the waiting room. So thank you for sticking through us with that. Of course. Um, it was such a big pleasure. And um, I think this conversation was really amazing because y'all's questions or something I really never covered before because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't really cover, like, just to sit by, just talk about it, and I relate to it, but I never really define it, so it was really, really interesting to really talk about that because it is something that, you know, people, as you said, should know, but no one does know because it's not out there, and it needs to be, um, but yeah, thank you so much, and, um, you know, I'm so excited to see y'all very soon.